0: they can't go Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 22nd of May 2012. For newcomers, you should always go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and help yourself to the free audios that are there for download. There's uh, well over a thousand to choose from. And if you can persevere, and get some patience, you'll start to understand the big system. Uh, it seems all chaotic if you don't understand it, but uh, you understand the system you're born into and how it came to be where it is today with all the massive changes, some of them sounding ridiculous, in fact, but where they all came from, where they stem from, and the techniques that are used on the populations across the world as we're really brought into a global type of government, this new world global system, designed by the international banking system a long time ago that put up their front foundations uh, that have armies of non-governmental organizations working for them. All, all your greenies, et cetera, all get massive funding from these big foundations, tax-exempt too. foundations. But they're just fronts for the big international moneylenders, the guys who lend to complete nations and could buy and sell or sink you all overnight if they wanted to. And sometimes they have. But um, the whole plan was to bring the world under one system, their system, and they would hire academia and science and scientists to basically take care of all the rest of us, right down to micromanagement. Uh, And this was planned well over 100 years ago. I've given some of the history on it before, and you can all check it up yourselves because it's out in the open how it came to be. But it doesn't matter so much because we're railroaded with news every day of the symptoms of the disease and we're not allowed to really talk about the disease even by law sometimes in some cases and different topics so it's a hard thing to do all i can do is sort of point the way to people and if they do their own research they can find out for themselves and then the problem is what you do about it Now, remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com to help me out, because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't own shares in companies that sell you things or anything like that. So you can buy the books and discs and donate. Donations are in really short supply right now. And... um, You can do so by going into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com to see how to do it. And across the world, you've got Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal in the U.S. to Canada. You can still use a personal check or an international postal money order or uh, you can use send cash, or use PayPal as well. It's up to you. But as I say, uh, I do this without sponsorship. The ads you hear on this radio show are really there by the advertisers themselves. I've got nothing to do with them, and I don't really know who they are, most of them. And uh, that pays for the airtime to RBN to put us across the, the radio. And so that's how we trot along here, basically. Now, what I try to do, is I say, is just give you... The, the big plan, the big agenda, to do with how governments run peoples, with experts, of course, at the very, very top. The average politician isn't the wisest person. They have experts above them that are appointed to them as advisors, etc., who also, who've been, who've been trained in a completely different reality from the rest of the population. And sometimes they boast about it. There, a night I gave an example about re- creating realities and how we follow the realities. Then they change it again, and we follow that. So they give us realities that we're supposed to follow at the bottom level. And um, and meanwhile, of course, they're taking the whole world on a completely different tangent from the one you think is going on altogether. And so it's a fantastic trick. But uh, the boys who run the world and who have run the merchant banking system. For an awful, awful, many, many, many centuries uh, Literally have their own archives on how to do things You never throw knowledge away It's, It's so valuable It's the most valuable thing there is If you want to control and own everybody Back with more after this break Hi, folks. I'm back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Years ago, many years ago, uh, different governments, that are all on the same agenda, basically. Uh, We've been in a global system for a long time. They only use nationalism and wave the flag when they want you to go off and fight another war. And as soon as it's over, of course, you're back to the globalism and all the rest of it. And, um... They decided to, that eventually uh, the, everyone across the world under the United Nations Treaties and Charters, World Health Organization, would get at least the, the most basic minimum treatment available. And then we get fear across the world for all the peasantry across the world. That's the masses, in other words. While, of course, the elite had their own uh, superior plans, which they were allowed to pay into through insurances, but also, too, the politicians in in the States and Canada and Britain and elsewhere uh, made a law also exempting themselves. They could get treated and their families for life at uh, special military hospitals so you knew something was coming because the plan was of course to bring in uh, this minimal care system across the world and in Britain they had a national working national health service at one time when the people in the hospital ran it as opposed to putting in these managerial CEOs that they train now and, and, and who've stuffed their pockets with the profits, there shouldn't be profits in NHS ones anyway but, the, but uh, they, they, they brought it down step by step, all the national health s- service systems step by step slashing and burning, slashing and Burning, And, of course, since we've been involved straight since uh, the Gulf War one to the present uh, with warfare, uh, there's more and more uh, slashing and burning of the National Health Service. So what they did was start to import lots of doctors from across the seas, mainly India, and um, rather than train them at home. They did. Some countries have done the same thing with tradesmen, too. The U.S. and Canada are famous for importing tradesmen, including Australia, too. And it saves them putting out the cash. That their business is putting out the cash to train them in their own countries. So that's how Britain took the road of importing them. And sometimes there's incredible chaos and massive medical misconduct, you might say, uh, to, to, to the polite word for it, really, where where the characters shouldn't even have a license, to be honest with you. And it, what, I'm, what I'm speaking about here is a system that's to go worldwide. Remember, Britain is a flagship for trying all the new systems on first. Uh, sometimes i will use one of its colonies, and they still have colonies like Australia and Canada, still part of the Commonwealth, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs comes from Foreign Relations. Boys Milner, in fact, came up with the idea of calling it the, the Commonwealth. It's only better than the, the British Empire. So this is wh- where it ends up ticking you, and you should really look at Britain for what happens there, because Obama, you see, is coming, bringing the same system, and he hired the Rand Corporation, to do all the work on what to do, and the RAND, in their own official uh, statements, a report, here in fact that came back to him, uh, said that they'd taken the British model, and that's what they would base the American model on. Well, here's the British model. Remember, too, Britain has already slashed. Uh, in fact, they're bringing in now all the the disabled people in Britain who have to re-register to see if they're really disabled, and I think there's four panels. They're all paid to say no to them. Uh, basically the greatest the, the way to get everybody off disability is to say you know say no you're not disabled at all so anyway, it's going w- way back to what it used to be in the 1950s or 40s here's an uh, he's a, a, an example of what happens now in Britain uh, your life is in your hands believe you me a 15 year old schoolgirl died after a doctor mistook tuberculosis for lovesickness you get these articles all the time over there these ridiculous articles so it says a 15-year-old scholar died, and that's what the doctor diagnosed. She was just suffering from lovesickness, you see. It says uh, Alina Zerag died of tuberculosis after her GP or general practitioner doctor claimed she was lovesick. And uh, she was seen by more than five doctors at four different hospitals, but medics failed to detect a curable disease. Her distraught parents even called her doctor more than fifty times about their doctor's alien condition over a four and a half month period before her death in january 6 last year. An inquest heard that her her doctor, doctor Sharad Shaparan Rio Pandit, accused her parents of mollycoddling her. Mollycoddling, is a, you see, it's a, it's a mental thing, obviously. Shaunley even claimed her symptoms were brought on because she was lovesick. And anyway, the father broke down, uh, as he told the Birmingham uh, coroner's court, that the doctors said to her, did you meet someone on holiday? Are you missing him? She was going down the hill fast. That's what happens with tuberculosis. So anyway, this Dr. Pandit wouldn't change his his story on it and what was wrong with her. And they could do simple tests, putin tests, things like that, but didn't bother with that either. And when you have a, a high... Um, uh, incidents of tuberculosis, you, you always have. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be reportable to the authorities. Now, the father already had tuberculosis. Uh, the girl had had it, I think, before, and so she was a high priority. She should, should have known that from, from the start and checked her from that right away for a recurrence. And uh, but no, she 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 had lovesickness and she died. That, that's the National Health Service for you today. That should, that's how they diagnose you. Yep. She'd been coddled and she was in lo- lovesick. And uh, anyway, the the chest infection uh, just, just spread and so on, and there's, there probably eventually there are hemorrhages in the lungs and all that, all the rest of it that's what normally happens. So it's going to court, and that's what they're going to bring in to the U.S. You, you get this craziness and uh, diagnosis from guys who couldn't diagnose a a pregnant penguin. But uh, you would think with the National Health Service having such troubles, you see with slash and cutting and burning. And it's so bad there, uh, they, they, they've done, done every trick in the book in Britain. You know, they had to get so many awards, for instance, and, and just to put on the record, so many awards in the hospital, that they, they would stash patients along the corridors on trolleys and take the wheels off. Now they're mobile. That's a new ward. I mean, trick after trick after trick. They were, they were putting out cancer patients, cancer patients' treatments, to come in and get treated for your cancer. And they had lists of the patients, who, because the hospitals send them questionnaires, when will your holidays be up, due or whatever, and they would always send them out when they were off on holiday. They knew they were coming up, and then they could say fail to, to turn up and so on. So they, it wasn't the hospital's fault, you see. No, nope, the person didn't come in because the, because a, a couple of years ago they decided to do essential essential surgeries only. Now essential surgeries came down to vasectomies and and, um, and abortions. That's a priority. I'm not kidding you. You understand, these services, National Health Service, awfully expensive services with CEOs at the top now, uh, have got a, a political agenda. And, and speaking of political agendas, the National Health Service, that I say, is cut to the bone, launches, diver- this is the most important thing it's got to do right now, right? It's is killing the folk off with misdiagnosing and so on. It launches Diversity Week with transgender art. What's transgender art? I mean, goodness sake. Is it cross-dressing art or something? Or, anyway, it's funded a Human Rights Week with dozens of events including a photographic exhibition to celebrate transgender staff. And it says, in November, Andrew Lanzi, the health secretary, said the leaders of the health service had a responsibility to taxpayers to make sure that every pound of National Health Service money is spent as effectively as possible to deliver the best possible care. And it says, hundreds of managers and frontline workers are due to attend conferences and workshops on equality and and diversity this week. Patients' groups criticised the spending at a time when services and jobs were under threat as the National Health Service attempts to make £20 billion in efficiency savings. They'll get more Dr. Panjitson, I guess. The events include two all-day conferences involving at least 170 healthcare managers. That's a problem. Once it turned over to healthcare managers, folks, all went to the dogs. In addition, the National Health Service, uh, Rotherham, will host a week-long exhibition of inspiring images, which promises to celebrate the lives of transgender staff and patients. I mean, what's all this coming into this field for? It's the last thing you expect in a hospital, where all politics or quibbles or, or what, what strange clan you belong to matters. It's supposed to be all about getting treated for something that's wrong with you. Eh? Everything's politicized now. It says, The National Health Service Northwest is promoting an awareness-raising timeline to commemorate homosexual and transgender doctors uh, and nurses. Catherine Murphy, Chief Executive of the Patients Association, said the health service was being hit hard by the demand for efficiency savings and could not afford an expensive week of events. And the funding shouldn't be authorised when it could be shown that it would improve care for patients, she said. Ensuring equality and diversity needs to be one of the fundamental elements of the way an NHS trust operates. It shouldn't need a costly and distracting week of events and conferences to ensure that this message is communicated effectively. So 170 NHS managers working in human resources and leading programs in equality and diversity are due to attend full-day conferences in London and Manchester. So you've got managers who are specializing, obviously, in programs to do with transgenderism in the, the hospital workplace. It's like having, you know, the Russians had it too. They had their KGB staff on all air bases, inside submarines, uh, Germany had the, 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 their own special staff too to make sure it was politically correct. You see, could it could be politically correct. And, and, and here we are with this kind of rubbish inside the hospital system. And so it's going to cost £199 per place as they have their big meal and all that. More than £30,000 in total is expected to be paid by the National Health Service Trust which employ them. And there are featured speakers from the Equality and Human Rights Commission. So you got you got this another big commission, a PC commission, and homosexual rights groups. Stonewall are, are going as well. Additional costs will be covered by sponsors, including trade unions and training organisations. Would you have ever believed a few years back, looking down the road and say, I guess the most important thing in the hospitals will be seen overseen by the Human Rights Commission and the homosexual rights group to do with treating people in a hospital? Really? Coming out with an anaesthetic and someone looking at the Bride of Frankenstein and you've got a column man or something? Is that so important? Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix. Just going through the madness that's going on in Britain and no doubt coming everywhere else across the world as they slash and burn healthcare systems while the same healthcare systems that you pay for has to celebrate, uh, uh special events to do with transgender people and, and keep everybody happy. I mean, everything is so politicized. If you need a job now, you're going to have to wear a skirt or something if you're a guy because it'll give you points to get, to get hired. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'll come to that. Maybe you've a fetish like smelly socks and maybe that will give you five points. If you can get someone on the inside to give you an advanced copy of what you should say, then you probably will get a job. It's going to be the only way eventually to have it to be absolutely politically correct, you see. And um, what they're doing too... It says here it says, the timeline created by the National Health Service Northwest hi- highlights achievements of people from the lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender community and particularly those who have contributed to health care from ancient Greece to the present day. Hey, really? And include the James Barry, a British Army surgeon who lived as a man but was found to be female upon death in 1865. But how did they contribute to health care? Really? I mean, in those days, you see the surgeons uh, weren't looked upon as they are today. Uh, they were Mister, and, and they had a barber's pole, literally a barber's pole, which they stuck out their tents, and they cut uh, uh, and amputated legs and arms, and they also shaved the men and cut their hair. They were, sort of, they were barbers, basically. Yeah, it was the next century before they came into, or the end of the century before they became their their own as a, a, a different. And even then, the medical doctors didn't want to uh, accept them. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, it says in the National Health Service, employers, a body organising the first NHS, Equality, Diversity and Human Rights Week, defended the decision to go ahead with the plans at a time of austerity. So there's exemptions, you see, but everything else must be austere and have slash and cutbacks, but, but no. Uh, if you, if you've decided that you're, you're, whatever, whatever you were born with, right, that, that thing down there, if you've still got it and haven't had it removed or something, it's so important we've all got to take notice of it and respect it so much. See, at one time, what people did in their homes was up to them, and no one cared or talked about it. But now, you've got to come out now and tell everybody what you do. It's just incredible. Incredible. They've institutionalized, and this is a term the United Nations uses, by the way. They will institutionalize this or that into ordinary vocabulary and everyday conversation until it's, 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 like gravity exists and it's a very important thing. And they did the same thing they said, they said with the, uh, with, um, the separation of the genders, initially, man and woman, when you were starting that fight going on, uh, that would it, it institutionalize all the talk shows, etc., etc. And even in university, they'd start off how this would affect women. For instance, you know, planting rhubarb in the garden. they start off with how it would affect the females. And, uh, just to get it in. So you to always attach these things. That how, how would it be from a feminist position, you know? And... Um, and it's all, now it's institutionalized, that's what they mean by that. So it's institutionalized through a, a system that's falling apart and, and turning patients away. Uh, people can't get in to get operations because of the cutbacks. And, but they can have big, big fairs like this to, to make them dress up and feel happy. Oh god, it's crazy. Anyway, that's the world you're living in, folks. See it is fragmented. When it's so fragmented you understand and groups have appeared that will fight each other, that never even thought about each other before. Uh someone's pulling the strings and someone else has now conquered you. Because you can't stand up for the big things that matter to everybody. This article here is um it's from Predator Nation, Corporate Criminals, Political Corruption, and the Hijacking of America. And it was by Charles Ferguson, put out in 2012, a book. But he also did a, a, a documentary film about the 2008 economic crisis called Inside Job. And he found the most surprising and disturbing portion of the film was this revelation of widespread conflicts of interest in universities, think tanks, well, are all owned, you see, by the big foundations, and among prominent academic experts in finance, economics, business, and government regulation. Viewers who watch my interviews, he says, with eminent professors were star- stunned at what came out of their mouths. Over the last 30 years, in parallel with deregulation and the rising power of money in America, politics' significant portions of American academia have deteriorated into pay-to-play activities. In other words, a professor for hire. These days, if you see a famous economics professor testifying Congress, appear in television news, testifying a legal case or regulatory proceeding, give a a speech or write an opinion article in the New York Times, Financial Times or Wall Street Journal or anywhere else, there's a high probability that he or she is being paid by someone with a big stake in what's being debated. Most of the time, these professors do not disclose these conflicts of interest, and most of the time, their universities look the other way. Increasingly professors are also paid to testify for defendants in fraud trials, both civil and criminal. The pay is high, sometimes a quarter of a million dollars for an hour of congressional testimony. But for banks and other highly regulated industries, it's a trivial expense, a billion or two a year that they barely notice. And just as with politicians, it's a very good investment with very high benefits. Everything is loaded in this life. And I've said this so often, you're always given your opinions on debates by people who are brought forth as specialists and experts. And they, they, and you don't really realize, and they're not giving you honest, uh, unbiased opinions. They're giving you paid opinions. Their paymaster tells them. So as his academics and on, on industry payrolls are now so numerous and powerful, they can often prevent universities, professional associations and academic journals from adopting or enforcing strong conflict of interest policies. They've had a chilling dominant effect on several areas of academic research and policy analysis. Back with more after this. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, I am Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix and. Talking about how academia is, is big, of course, in a whole, this whole global system as they help make policies and, and, uh, c- you know, basically indoctrinate the public, never mind their students, when they're brought on television and all that kind of stuff. But it says a sale of academic expertise for the purpose of influencing government policy, the courts and public opinion is now a multi-billion dollar business. Academic, legal, regulatory, and policy consulting in economics, finance, and regulation is dominated by a half-dozen consulting firms, several speakers, bureaus, and various industry lobbying groups that maintain large networks of academics for hire, specifically for the purpose of advocating industry interests in policy and regulatory debates. The consultant, these consultant firms are not like McKinsey or Boston Consulting Group. They do not exist to help companies make even better products or operate efficiency, their focus is on helping companies avoid or influence legislation, laws, public debate, uh, regulation, prosecution, class action lawsuits, antitrust judgments and taxes. The largest academic regulatory uh, consulting firms are the Berkeley Research Group, the, anal- the Analysis Group, the bas- the Brattle Group is Brattle, Criterion, Compass, Lexicon and Charles River Associates all have relationships with many prominent academics. Their combined academic roster is around 1,000, and their combined revenues are certainly well over $1 billion per year. Most are private and don't release revenue information. In some cases, they include a majority of the prominent academics in important policy-related fields such as antitrust policy and the economics of regulation. And it goes on quite a bit, actually, and gives you more of a history with it and how they've really influenced so many things in your lives. And they get paid to do so. And you think they're, again, being impartial. Because, well, a professor is always impartial, isn't he? Also, the Catholic church groups are going to go to war against the U.S. government over a controversial birth control rule that Obama's ramming through. It is 43 Catholic dioceses and organizations from across the U.S. have filed a dozen lawsuits against the Obama administration for making employers offer workers' health insurance plans that cover contraception and abortion, of course. The lawsuits filed on Monday in eight states and the District of Columbia argue that the federal mandate issued as part of the health reform law violates fundamental religious liberties. When the birth control rule was made public earlier this year, it was, has drawn heavy criticism from bishops on every diocese in the U.S. They warned, it says here, that the regulation could force Catholic schools, hospitals, and charitable agencies to stop offering their services. And a so video goes along with it, too. And it says, uh, at least 11 previous lawsuits have already been filed against the mandate by uh, states, colleges, private employers, and organizations throughout the U.S., according to the Catholic News Agency. And uh, there were various separate lawsuits against them going on as well. But you understand, in this global system, as I say, you can't be offended by uh, the big agenda, uh, because that is the agenda, is depopulation and using abortion as a form of birth control. And, uh, of course, selling the body parts all over the world. And, uh, it's very lucrative for the guys at the top. It's amazing how there's always a massive profit in every big social change, isn't there? Uh, right down to, you know, children and fetuses and spinal cords and whatever else. There's always somebody who wants it and is going to pay high bucks, big bucks for it. That's what can you do? That's how degraded we all are today. And, of course, it had to be this way because once you start, as I say, abortion on the one end, the next step, I said, years ago would be euthanasia for the elderly and the other. Now that's here. And, uh, and your national health services are, are fighting about what dress to wear or pants to wear or whatever. And um, and folk are dying. So, But they'll keep the abortions going because that's the big world agenda. Rockefeller mentioned that, by the way, in his last big uh, Lucky Gene Club talk that they had. He says, now that we've got abortion across the world, they didn't call it abortion, of course. It's women's health issues, but it's abortion across the world. He says, now we must start, uh, it says, on rapid depopulation. And then right after that comes all the the releases into the media about uh, euthanasia, euthanasia, euthanasia. Yeah, it's, it's all connected, folks, always is. Now, we are really products of indoctrination. And school is the business of indoctrination so that you can be managed through your entire life without being too much of a problem to the guys who own you and rule you. And we are owned and ruled. If, you ha- if Charles Galton Darwin was saying in the 1950s, we're now uh, creating a new, more efficient form of slavery, uh, then there's got to be owners to the slavery system. And they are. There are owners out there. The ones who own all your debt basically own you. And they see what goes. Anyway, they also use big corporations like IBM. They're into everything with all the smart grids and the, 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 the smart meter systems and uh, everything smart, smart, smart. And into schooling big time, giving out uh, the, the courses for teachers. IBM and desire to learn introduced new services and software offerings to K. To 12 and higher education so they're delivering an analytics based intelligent learning environment now all schooling is always social indoctrineering basically uh, that's what it's about, social indoctrination and quite a few people from Gatto to others have come out uh, talking about Charlotte Isabre too Uh, And delivering dumbing down of America If you want to be a slave owner You don't want intelligent beings And you're not going to make them You're going to dull them down You're going to stop their uh, ability To be inquiring about things You're going to dumb them down And I'm I'm quite serious about this 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 is how it's always been done Anyway, they announced This new consulting services and software offerings That will take the power of predictive uh, And analytics to improve outcomes In education the new education platform will address the needs for schools, colleges, and universities to improve the quality of education for students, enhance the effectiveness of teachers, and empower administrators to create more personalized learning environments, it says. So IBM is collaborating with desire to learn a learning solutions company that provides the desire to learn uh, our learning environment and related products and technolog- uh, technologies to schools, higher education, and organizations around the world. See, so you to get a world system going for uh, basic, just, just like UNICEF you know, and all the rest of them, they're creating a world culture uh, that must grow up with all the same opinions on everything. And so these range from individual schools to district and statewide clients to some of the world's largest education entities, such as the New York City Departments of Education. So, uh, again, uh, when these big corporations, IBM especially, when they go into anything at all, is, is to do with much more than just massive business, which it is, and massive profit, which it always gets. Is to do with the agenda. IB, whatever IBM is up to, it's always the agenda. All the corporations, when IBM meets, everybody in the who's who of corporations has to attend it because IBM are at the top. They tell you how the world's going to be, including what kind of people are going to turn out at the schools. Another thing that hits the papers too, it's quite the amazing thing about JP Morgan's. They first said that they lost about $2 billion, and as you say, now it could be exceed $7 billion in this article here. And it says the US bank has cancelled its plan for a share buyback in the wake of the growing crisis. And, um, it says the crisis at JP Morgan escalated yesterday. It's emerged. It's trading losses in London, and it said that they could rise to as much as $7 billion and cancel the share buyback, it says. Fears were growing that the losses could spiral from an initial $2 billion, which was declared on the 10th of May as J.P. Morgan struggled to unwind the massive bets made uh, by the so-called London Whale uh, trader Bruno Ixel, it's called. Bruno Ixel, never heard of it. It says, in a further blow, Chairman and Chief Executive, Damien e. Dimon, has suspended plans to use the U.S.'s bank's own funds to buy back $15 billion worth of shares. Buybacks are a popular way for firms to use up cash sitting on the balance sheet and prop up the share price. So its uh, share tumbles tumbles, uh, went down $0.82, or 2.45%, to a new six-month low of $32.67. And the bank's value has fallen by a quarter in a year. Uh, I was wondering why Tony Blair who's been one of the front men across the world and all the, the Arabic countries and even across to Israel, uh, what, what, what uh, he went back to Britain for. You know, he's trying to get back into politics. Like, I guess he was tipped off in his van so his em- employer, J.P. Morgan, was when he uh, hit the slumps. Uh, and Tony doesn't waste time, you know. So anyway, that's one article on it. And this other one says, it's, it's so amazing too, since the uh, <laughs> the U.S. is a good thing here that actually will disclose so much about some of their politicians, uh, their own finances and their investments and so on. Many lawmakers are personally invested in J.P. Morgan Chase, and it's just when Wall Street giant uh, J.P. Morgan Chase announced this week it has lost an estimated two billion, now up to three billion, it's now up to seven billion on risky trades. Republican and Democratic members of Congress rushed to make their political cases. You damn right they rushed. Says either this was something that was more regulation couldn't have, prevent, uh, couldn't have prevented, or this was exactly what stronger government rules could have thwarted. None of them, however, mentioned that where they had a financial stake in J P Morgan Chase. So I'll put up a, a list of them who have got money invested in J P Morgan Chase, uh, and uh, including the senators who have got money invested. The top ones got over a million dollars there, and most of them got about hundred thousand to fifty thousand or so. Some as low as 1,000. Maybe that would be the significance its presence. But um, some of them got up to 15,000 or to over a million. And these are the senators. And then I'll give you another one, two, with representatives. who Some of them have 250,000, uh, a maximum of 500,000. And um, that's quite an awful long list, believe you me. Uh, but uh, And that's only one of their investments, you see. Remember, they, I think it was earlier this year that they, they gave themselves the right to insider trading, only themselves, you know, since naturally they couldn't avoid overhearing where the governments going to invest money and so on, that they should be able to cash in on it and, and go along with investments. Anybody else trying that is going to go to the slammer, but the politicians apparently, uh, they're now uh, it's been a ruling and passed any law by themselves that they can do insider uh, trading. Hmm. Not bad, is it? Not bad. A little privileged society. Yeah. So, they also have a, a list, too, not on this one, but uh, to do with all the top generals in the U.S. and the military who have investments in them as well. I'll see if we can find that tonight and, and put it up as well. But it's quite something. It, it seems that the bankers rule the whole country, which, of course, they do. They actually do. And uh, they can do no wrong, actually. We've got to bail them out when they, when they sink and and then they stiff us afterwards, of course, with high fees and interest rates. Now, Australian Clinic uses in vitro fertilization to search out and destroy embryos with what they claim to be a cancer gene. It's all very iffy stuff right now, in fact. This whole idea of predicting your health down the road. It truly is. It's supposed to be in its infancy. But they're already at it, saying, well, you know, you got this gene that might have a, be a cancer gene, uh, we could remove that from, uh, the, the child, and, and before it's even, it becomes a child in vitro fertilization. And there are, some are going towards it, so all the ones who can, I guess, afford it are going towards it. And eventually will come right down to, see there, I see that they're going to abort you. There's a lot of people have actually fallen for all the tricks of the, of the, the, the science con man. And they've aborted children. They probably were perfectly okay and would have normal lives. Having a dominant gene doesn't mean you're going to get the disease. doesn't. But it says, um, Melbourne, it says, uh, eugenic practice of genetic testing to screen out the unfit has moved a step forward in Australia. Nathan Charles Runciman, a child born January the 20th, was conceived in a lab by in vitro fertilization. Using a process called pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, he had two of his cells removed to test for the gene for bowel cancer. When the cells were found to be free of the cancer gene, he was implanted in his mother's uterus and allowed to live. It says the AIDS reports that on her first cycle at Monash IVF clinic, the reproductive medicine clinic of Monash University in Victoria, Australia, Mrs. Runciman produced eight embryos and five had the gene for cancer, including those regarded as the strongest, which would normally have been implanted. Uh, Of the three remaining embryos, one was unsuitable for transfer. This is the only epitaph that will be written for these tiny human beings, who were then discarded as useless. This was all coming down to. Monash IVF chief executive Donna Howlett said in the Age that, the Age of a magazine, guess, Monash IVF screening had produced 15 babies tested for single gene disorders. Victoria Monash's University most famous son is notorious bioethicist Peter Singer, a, pro, a proponent of infanticide for disabled children and involuntary euthanasia for the elderly. His work to sell eugenics to the world scientific community has been immensely successful. Peter Singer was rewarded for his pioneering in biothics work the, with the prestigious chair of biothics at uh, uh, Princeton University. Mrs. Runciman told the age that if I was going to have a child, it was going to have a test. She said she was so happy, he won't get the disease. No, he'll probably die of something else. But, um, and that's what's coming down to, you understand, you're going into Brave New World where you know it or not. You're not supposed to think about that. But you see, that's what it's all about. It's brave New World where the state ultimately, once it starts off this way, eventually the state steps in, always, always steps in, and, and, and they'll decide who's going to live and who's going to die. And if the child maybe has an intellect gene uh, and and is meant for the lower classes, well, he's just going to be terminated. You can't have an intelligent person from the lower classes, for goodness' sake. As as Bertrand Russell said, they'd have to, we'll have to basically (laughs) eliminate them completely, Uh, because you never change the upset of the balance of power. Can't do that. Can't do that. But it shows you how the science is uh, literally. Got into the heads of everyone with their supposed perfect uh, perfectly expertise and expert dialogues on television, and most of it's nonsense. But it's important you all start to believe in it, you see, and give the state eventually the right to step in and say, Oh, that's unfit. In, in the bucket, in the bucket, in the bucket. Yeah, that's what they do with them, you know. I'm not kidding. But that's what we come down to, is we dehumanize ourselves, devalue ourselves, and, uh, and allow this to go on. And that's what you do when you push abortion or allow it to go on. Uh, and, and then you push for euthanasia, and then the state takes over, of course. And just like Holland, they decide who lives and dies, even if doctors want to euthanize someone in their, their home. The state sends a van, kind of like China, because uh, they are the moral state for the world, to your door. And they come up, and, and they'll give you where you like it or not. That's what happens. But of course everybody's too plain to, t- to take these things seriously. Oh, it never happened to me. Oh no, goodness me. It's that's strange strange mental way of looking at things. A third of malaria drugs are fake, it says. Uh it says one third of the mineral drugs used around the world to stem the spread of disease are counterfeit Researchers research looked at 1,500 samples of seven malaria drugs from the seven countries in Southeast Asia say poor quality and fake tablets are causing drug resistance and treatment failure. Data from 21 countries in sub-Saharan Africa and over 2,500 drug samples showed similar results. That was in the Lancet, the big prestigious medical journal for Britain. They're coming from India and China. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix and an update to that uh, J.P. Morgan. It says a champion American complainer, Jimmy Diamond, complained on Monday about Wall Street regulation while also insisting he be not described as a complainer. All the while, his bank's losses, partly resulting from lax uh, regulation, continued to grow. At the initial 2 billion trading losses that they result in a total loss of more than 30 billion when you include a 19% drop in the bank stock price. By itself, the trading loss alone might balloon to more than 6 billion according to one estimate. So it's definitely playing havoc with the ones at the top who are all invested, generally the politicians and, and people, probably a lot of the professors and stuff. Is everybody on the inside gets first digs this year uh, to invest. And the Russian Academy of Science says here, it says that uh, uh, global warming is officially coming to an end, you see. As in the coming years, the temperature of the entire planet will fall and the cooling will provide a character of relief. This is con- the conclusion reached by Russian scientists from the Physics University of the Russian Academy of Science. And the process of a general temperature decrease has already begun, according to the research. Having peaked in 2005, the average temperature on Earth is now returning to the level of 1996 to 1997 years, which is 0.3 degrees centigrade lower. According to the scientists, scientists, global temperatures will fall another 0.15 centigrade by 2015, which corresponds to the climate of the early 1980s. So I I guess we'll go back and forth. And then they'll call any climate change, as we've gotten down, as we always have for millions of years, uh, the climate uh, be crisis. It'll be crisis. So we're getting cool again. or oh, we're getting hot again. Well, either, either way, they've got to make a lot of money off of this, of course, at the top, to do with carbon and all the rest of it. that's They want that to be a, a, a keeper, this carbon, because we're already taxed on it. It's going to run our whole lives as we pay extras for all the energy. And it make that Mars bar. You know, including the wrapping too. I'm not kidding you. It's gonna, you're gonna have police out there too to make sure, to actually in your homes find out how much carbon, uh, 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 you actually create in a day and carbon dioxide you breathe out. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I'm putting up tonight too a link to all the kinds of surveillance drones That are out there there's, there's such an incredible amount of them now Now they're going to go all over the states and, and they've already been over Canada Folk have seen them already in Canada Even a few years ago But I'll, it's a good slideshow On all the different types of drones that, are, that you've either seen Or you're likely to see coming overhead From the hovering types to, to the big ones To the small ones Even the tiny ones from Israel That look like butterflies And it's from Cryptom. And, uh, it's, it's, very good photographs too. And, um, interesting too, the U, it says Israel and the U.S. to allow ex- expedited entry for travelers. So it's the only exception. Foreign Minister uh, Avidor Lieberman and U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security Janet Napolitano are set to sign a declaration Sunday towards expediting entry for travelers between the two countries. Israel will join a programme to allow frequent travellers between the two countries entry without the hassle of checks, eh? Uh, different strokes for different folks, eh? Depends, you know, how much dough you got. The programme allows business people, diplomats and citizens with residences in both countries to undergo a comprehensive security check ahead of time in order to reduce hassles during travel. I noticed some of them that were around one of the politicians that's running now, I think six or seven of them had dual citizenship for the, that country. But it's uh, just amazing. They don't have to go through the groping and all the rest of it, and just all the rest of you peasants. From Hamish from Seattle, Ontario, Canada, is good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.